Welcome to Coffee with Jamie, a show about how to get unstuck from some of life's stickiest stuff, like burnout, divorce, loss, and more. Here is your host, Jamie Finney. Hello there. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome, and thank you for joining me. This is Coffee with Jamie, a show about getting unstuck. I'm your host, Jamie Finney, and this is episode six. Uh, Today, I'm going to talk all about step five of six steps in my own process for getting unstuck. I call it action packed, and I'm going to talk all about why it's a really important step in wiggling free of the stuck and how you can make a pact for taking action. Uh, Before we dig on in, I want to begin by immediately sharing that this morning I'm drinking a nice piping hot cup of Cafe Bustolo. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it is a bold espresso style fresh off the Keurig machine. (laughs) And um, I have a mug memory to share with you today. So we're going to just dig in with that. How about that? How is, I hope you're all doing great. Have your mug of coffee uh, ready to roll. So um, I have this awesome mug from a conference that I spoke at a few years ago called Swift by Northwest held in Portland, Oregon. And you'll hear me that, you know, throughout mug memories, I've quite a few conference mugs, <laughs> but, but this one is, is sort of special. So a, a conference, um, Swift by Northwest is described as a, a focused learning experience for Swift, iOS, and Mac OS developers. So, you know, I, I have a bit of a tech background, um, but the talk I did there was called How to Be Better to Work With. And it was an offering of some interpersonal skills for, I call it people who work with other people. And incidentally, um, that conference talk became the topic of my first book, which you can find on the book section of my website, coffeewithjamie.com. But this is about the mug, my friends, the mug. Um, The conference was organized by the Klein family, who are Dave and Debbie Klein, and they're 14 kids. And Prior to the Swift by Northwest conference, um, they organized another conference series across the United States called CocoConf for independent cocoa developers. And um, in 2012, I was invited by the Klein family to come speak at my very first one of their events, a cocoa conference. And you know that first event was out in Ohio, and it it evolved into. Um, every year uh, being invited to join them at various conferences all over the United States where they held them. And I don't know, like eventually I really felt like I became a part of of the Klein family, but then also this amazing community family of app making people um, who I, I dearly love and miss. And um, anyway, so with every one of the, the Klein family's events, whether it was CocoConf or the Swift by Northwest or Swift by Midwest or um, any of those, they include in their bag. So like when you go to a conference, you always get like a, a goodie bag. So part of their gift slash registration bags for both speakers and attendees was a mug. And um, I have several 
from the various events, but the Swift Bay Northwest mug, it kind of ranks in like my top five most frequently used mugs for three reasons. One, it features the color orange, which is my favorite color. Klein family did not know that at the time, but it's it's a really awesome mug. Um, the size of it, it's like a big... I don't know. I'm going to post a picture of it on my Instagram later today, my Coffee with Jamie Instagram, so you can get a a glimpse at it. But it's like the perfect, I have pretty big hands. I'm not a tiny lady. Um, I'm like, you know, six foot tall. I have long hands. (laughs) I have a good sized hand. Anyway, these are like the perfect hand uh, hold mug. And then the memory of the mug is probably the most important thing. You know, the Klein family, my days of speaking, um, all the wonderful things. And that particular event um, was really nice. I got to see a lot of people I hadn't seen in a long time and just a, a good all around good time. So yeah, as mentioned, I will post a photo of this mug so you can have a look at it if you're really curious. Um, and and yeah, I had to share this one. It makes me smile. I would love to know if you have a mug that makes you smile, you could share a pic or story with me about why you love it. <laughs> I'll share all my contact info at the end of the show in case you'd like to do that. But now let's recap very briefly last week. Last week or last episode was part two of Tiny Challenges where I unfolded the picture this origin story, the picture this clothing origin story, and how the doing of tiny challenges helped me build space into my life so that something creative and beautiful had the opportunity to happen. I wasn't overwhelmed. I had, you know, tiny challenged my way into more space and and room to breathe and room to say yes to the things that I wanted to include in my life, like making a dress for my daughter. And um, you can go back and listen to that story if you haven't heard it, but it's a great story. I loved sharing it. And anyway, um, so while tiny challenges can totally be done as like a standalone step for me in, you know, when that all rolled out, it was my step four. And um, so, yeah, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. I give you, I encourage you to give it a listen. Um, And if you're ready to explore tiny challenges on your own, you know, maybe you're not ready to do like steps one, two, three, Um, you know, you're not ready for all of that. It's too overwhelming. That's understandable. Maybe just pick a tiny challenge. You know, maybe your challenge is to plot out one idea a day or, you know, make a list of what your tiny challenges could be, Um, you know, one small thing. And maybe you do it for just three days or or just one day or just one breath at a time. But (sighs) anyway, um, if you're not sure where or what or how to start, I did set up a bunch of starter challenges over at tinychallenges.com. I need to link to that from uh, coffeewithjamie.com. I don't actually think I, I don't do that. So I'll, I'll try to incorporate some of that information there. So I'm not sending you all over the internet, but it's 100% free. It's there to help you get started on your way with getting unstuck because that's all I really want. I don't want people to feel stuck. And even though I know, I think it's a natural part of life to go through these ebbs and flows of stuck and not stuck. I, I, you know, but I know through my experience, when I get stuck, a, a hand reaching out to say, Hey, come on, sometimes is a nice thing to have. So 
All right. So let's talk about step five, shall we? Okay. So I call it action packed and that the packed part is spelled P-A-C-T, like the formal agreement between people or parties or whatever. It's a pact. Um, and, and this one comes down quite a bit to, to human nature. I, I don't think we were designed to survive on our own, or at least not for very long. Um, and, you know, that goes back to like cave people times. We relied on each other to help with hunting and gathering and, and you know, making villages, taking care of the children and protecting our families from danger and all of that. Well, it's the same thing applies when we're making these life changes, whether big or small, just trying to get unstuck, whatever it is, having some help can make all the difference in the world. And so that's the the human nature part. It's not going it alone if you don't have to. And then the action pact is also, you know, one hand, it's not going it alone, but the action pact is also about showing up and Um, It's such a balancing act sometimes. I know, at least for me, I know intellectually that if I want to make changes, I have to own that and I have to show up. But sometimes putting that into practice is not always as easy as it sounds, right? Like, Like we get stuck for a host of reasons and our reasons aren't the same as as everyone else's reasons all the time. So sometimes, you know, it's it's just not as easy as it sounds. Sometimes showing up for ourselves actually isn't enough to keep us consistent. Sometimes we need, you know, (laughs) we need to know um, that we have someone showing up for us. And sometimes we actually need to be the person showing up for someone else in order to get ourselves to show up at all. And I've been in that situation probably more than anything else is like the realization that, you know, I don't know, this kind of silly little story, but I I used to, before the pandemic, go to the gym um, almost every morning, like six days a week, um, five to six days a week, I'd go to to the gym and I go super early sometime between 4.30 and 6.30 a.m. And, you know, it's like the gym's pretty quiet that early in the morning and you see the same group of people over and over. And I had, I think I was out sick or I broke my toe one time. I don't know. It was just like, I was out for a batch of days, like a week or, or two. And um, when I came back, this little guy that I, you know, older gentleman that I I'd seen there, but never talked to before, but you know, you get familiar with the faces. Um, he came up to me one day and he said, I'm so glad you're back you're the reason I show up every morning and it's been hard to get motivated to show up when you're not here. And I I just, it was like, Oh my gosh, I had no idea. He'd never said anything. I never saw him, you know, staring or anything like that. It was just, apparently there was just a motivation there that inspired him to show up. And, you know, and I appreciated hearing it actually. I didn't, it didn't come off weird or creepy. Like I didn't take it that way, whether it was or not. He never bothered me again. You know, it was just a gen- general wave or head nod or whatever. But like it was a, an, it's such a sweet thing. But it, that was the moment that it occurred to me that, you know, you may not even be aware that you're the person that somebody else shows up for and hopefully a non-creepy way, but like, but it's, it's important, you know, like if somebody is the reason um, that you show up, maybe it's a, a good thing to, to let them know in a, in an expression of gratitude 
Um, again, that's just a fine line. You got to be careful when and how you do that. And maybe it's something you keep to yourself, but it's nice to know that somebody's there showing up and inspiring you to get up and be there at 4.30 in the morning or whatever it is. So anyway, um, a little gym story there, but you know, I, I just, it was one of those things. I had no idea that I was, a, you know, inspiration that helped somebody make it every day to do this thing that was good for them. And, and that made me feel good. So um, another sort of like active lifestyle thing. Now my, my active lifestyle kind of ebbs and flows too. Um, but I, I think I have it, you know, it's sort of part of who I am always has been. Um, but when I started running. Whew, I did a little running in high school, a little cross country, a little tiny bit of track, was never very good or consistent. But uh, around the age of 19, I started running. Um, yeah, I started running. And then like sometime in my mid-20s, I loved running so much that I was like, I'm going to run a full marathon, 26.2 miles before I turn 30. Like I want to run a real marathon. I had done um, a lot of 10Ks, a lot of half marathons. And um, yeah, I was just like, feeling ready. So, you know, I used to get inspired. I was a subscriber to Runner's World magazine and I would look online for training programs, marathon training programs. And I I started training a couple of times, but by the time the training program would start hitting like, you know, the 12, then 14, maybe 16 mile buildups where you're doing that every other week. And then they keep building until you hit like 22 miles. I would end up flaking out like over and over and, you know, mid twenties starting to roll into my later twenties. And I don't know, 30 was a, a hardcore deadline, but because I still had time, um, I kept letting myself sort of flake out of it. And I finally became determined to figure out how to overcome this sort of stuck point between me and my marathon training about a year after my mom passed away. And if you've followed along through the episodes, I was, I was 27 when she passed away. And by the time I hit 28, I realized like, I don't have much more time to lose if I want to meet that goal of running a marathon before I turn 30. So I decided I should find a training partner, someone who can help me show up for the practice. And um, so, you know, I started like looking through my local track clubs website. They had a bulletin board and I found someone um, who looked like they were close to my neighborhood. You know, you don't give like exact addresses and stuff, but she had posted that her, her mile pace was right around where mine was. She lived pretty close. So I called her, we met. Uh, and this woman, her name was Karen, and she was about 20 years older than me and just awesome. We started running together and um, became really good friends and eventually started training for a marathon. marathon. And we uh, we registered for the St. George, Utah Marathon. And, you know, when we did that, we also a friend of mine, I was, I think I was working at UNLV at the time I was, yeah, I was working at UNLV at the time. And, um, a friend of mine over there was also interested in running, signed up and became a training partner with us. And then when we got to those 12, 14, 16 mile training runs, um, we did a couple with the track club cause they, you know, it's a safer way to run, um, when you have a group of people. So we met, um, we met up with some folks, did some of the longer runs with bigger groups because our pace 
you know, was all different between me, Ashley and Karen. And then uh, we met another woman, Carol, who happened to be training for a marathon as well. She was close to our pace. We ended up having conversation along the run and she started training with us regularly as well. And, and I'm still friends with every single one of those uh, fabulous people today. So really cool. Anyway, so one of the great things about you know, this was having one training partner that got me out of bed on the days I didn't think I could or would do it on my own. And there were days, let me tell you, like when you're training for a marathon, there are going to be days when your body hurts, when you're tired, just exhausted. Um, but also training out here in Las Vegas, we were training during the summer. And I don't know if you're familiar with the weather out here, but we would get up at 3 or 4 a.m., in order to beat the heat, right? Because you don't want like the last hour of your run to be in the 120 degree heat with the sun, you know, coming up over the mountain, beating down on you. It's already, you know, uh, yeah, 110, 120. And that's a total reality here. But most of the time, you know, it was just knowing someone was waiting for me. It, it kept me showing up and, you know, didn't matter the time. It didn't matter the weather. Um, whether hot or cold. We had some cold ones too. I think I I usually avoided more of the cold weather um, runs. Like if I was going to flick out, it was going to be for cold weather, much more than the hot weather. <laughs> but, but my friends, this little group, this was what kept me getting out of bed in the morning, um, knowing that I was someone who helped them show up also helped. And then having more than one person was good because if one person couldn't make it, you still had a couple more depending on you to be there. And, you know, let's all get through this together. So we all ran the marathon as individuals. We all finished at different times, but we all got each other to that race and we helped each other with the ability to finish that race. And so, you know, for the, the action-packed step, I really feel like that's, um, it's, I don't know, I guess what it is for me, it's, it's about making like a public statement of my goal and a timeline on some, usually for me, how I go about it is I'll make that statement on some social platform and then post my progress along the way. And, you know, if, if you're, you're trying to kind of figure out your rhythm and your method for this tiny challenges, which we talked about in the last two episodes, it really sets you up for doing this, like the communication part of it. And, you know, I've had people say to me like, well, I don't, I don't have anybody, like nobody in my household is going to support my, you know, my effort to lose weight or my effort to run a marathon or my effort to get up in the morning because, you know, like it's my thing and they have their thing and whatever. Um, there are a lot of reasons why sometimes we can't rely on the people in our own household, but it is important, you know, I think to, to put it out there in, in, in some way, what you get by doing that is, is some support that you never expected. And I think for me, you know, when I go back through all the steps and all the things, like I've certainly fallen before many times, right? Like even when I make like a public, I'm going to do this thing for 30 days and then I miss two days or whatever. Um, I try to do a coffee stain doodle a day, but I've also taken on some freelance work, which has 
completely taken over my time. And so my coffee doodles have been falling off their rhythm a bit over the last month. I'll say some month. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like things happen, right? Like I, I try to do a thing and sometimes I fall short, but the important thing is, is that you keep going. And what's interesting is the more that I put stuff out there, the more support I I find that I have that I didn't know I had when I started. And that's the thing that I think you find the value in. So if you feel like you don't have anyone that's going to support you, first, hashtag your stuff. If you're going to, you know, I encourage you to post it publicly, first of all, even if you think no one's listening. If you hashtag coffee with Jamie, I'm going to find you. I'll be able to know that you're there and I can follow along and I can be a cheerleader for you. You know, it's like a, a built-in chair. I may not know you, but like, and maybe I do know you, but I, I do want to cheer you on. I do want to encourage you. I want to be a voice that's there that that helps um, see you through some dark patches and get you unstuck. So for me, action-packed is all about defining your action and then making a commitment to do it and doing it publicly because that public element is sometimes the starting point of getting you to show up. And it, and it definitely was for me. And it's different for different people. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to spam my audience with that. Create a different account for it then. You know, start from zero. I did that with my coffee stain doodles. I started with zero and I did it. I, I think I started doing it last summer because I didn't want to post them every day on my Twitter um, you know, you start seeing all your unfollows happen when you start posting things like your personal challenges. Sometimes, sometimes that happens. And, you know, I kind of like, uh, these, this, this particular audience might not care about that, but what, what you end up doing is cultivating, um, an audience that actually cares about what you're doing in some capacity. And so it, it's, it's not about an audience ever for me. It's really about uh, self-expression or a getting unstuck or working through some things. And I think I shared with you my coffee stain doodles. Um, you know, it's something I've been doing since like 2011, sort of passively. But then last year, I always take on March. You know, March is my 31 days. I'll do a coffee doodle a day. And um, last year, it became a therapeutic outlet for me with some parenting stuff that I was going through with my youngest daughter who, um, you know, I've shared this a couple of times now. We had suicide hotline, suicide lifeline calls. We had police visits. We had a lot of struggle and a lot of stuff. And for me, my little doodle journal was a way to work through it um, the best that I could. And so it, it was good. It was a coping mechanism for me. And um, man, it still gets me every time I start thinking, you go right back into that space. Woo. A tough one, but you know, then I had a couple people suggest like you should start, this should be its own thing, you should do that. So I was like, okay, you know what, they're right. And doing this as a journal actually feels it feels right for me. So maybe it's not every day, but it's as often as I can. And you know, months later it became more blogging, it became more uh of this, experimenting with a radio show and you know, a podcast, and anyway, so. It's, it's about making a commitment to put something out there and then following through. And if you think it's too much, you know, scale it down, take the tiny challenges approach. 
And so, you know, maybe don't commit to do something every day for a year right out of the gate. That's a big thing. Maybe don't commit to losing, you know, 10 pounds in 30 days. Like it, it might be too big or too much. If you um, feel overwhelmed, break it down, break it down smaller. But some of the um, benefits that you get from doing the action packed by, you know, posting what the action is and making a commitment to do it is um, number one, you get like evidence, right? It's footprints of where you've been. And so when you make that commitment to post something every day, let's just say 30 days, you do it for a month. Um, you you say, okay, like I, I'm going to do this every day for 30 days, one word a day of what's good you know, hashtag it, what's good, hashtag it, coffee with Jamie, whatever it is. Um, and, and loop me in because I will be there to support you. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, make a commitment, do start doing something every day, maybe just for five days or just for three days to start and um, define it, say for three days, I'm going to do this and, and then maybe expand it once you accomplish it. But it, you look back at the end and you're able to see evidence, footprints of where you've been. And if you make it to the end, and I believe that you will eventually, um, you've heard my story of starting, failing, starting, failing, then finally getting a full 30-day challenge done when I broke it down to one word requirement a day. So, you know, I encourage you to keep trying. Don't give up just because you fall short of your goal. Um, set a smaller goal and achieve it and then expand your goal outward. But the more you do that, you're going to create, and this is why I say pub post it publicly or, you know, create a special account for your challenges or whatever, but create a space where it gets posted publicly, not privately. And the reason for that is the evidence you need to be able to look back and see that you've come a long way. It's a, it's a bigger win than you might want to give yourself credit for. And if you don't have that evidence to look back at, you might not acknowledge how far you've truly come. And it, you know, again, it's never about building a huge body of work or even building a community or a following. It's got to be about you when you start. It's got to be about the practice of getting yourself unstuck and chipping away at the things that stop you. You know, like that's where you go back to the things that align with your, your compass of intention that help move you toward your big bulky desires. So that's where the focus comes from, right? And then over time, maybe what you're doing appeals to some people, you know, people go, whoa, I love what you're doing. And that's you know, that's kind of what's happened to me with my little coffee doodles over on Instagram. I started with like, you know, one person who, I, I don't know, I didn't tell anybody about it initially, but Instagram promotes for you. <laughs> and it's like, hey, here's some suggestions of people you should follow. And and by the nature of that, I've had people find me, I guess, and and then say, hey, I love your artwork. I'm so glad I found you. And that's been a really encouraging thing. And I just passed a thousand followers over there. So that's a really, um, you know, like that's motivating, right? So like once you have evidence, that's another benefit. You have evidence, these footprints of where you've been. Um, and for me, just seeing when I can scroll through this sort of catalog of things that I've done, and I often scroll through it so that I don't post duplicates. <laughs> so, but yeah, I see growth and I get motivated by that. 
So, you know, it's like this built-in motivation. I'm like, wow, look how much I've actually done. I look at those footprints of where I've been and I go, wow, I actually did this for, you know, I did this for five days. I did this for 30 days and I can see like, wow, that's quite a collection. And there's a lot of heart in my little doodles, you know, for me, there's a lot of heart and a lot of um, emotion come from, you know, get poured into those. So the growth and motivation, but another part, another sort of amazing benefit of the action pack is that um, you get someone to check in with and to challenge you. Sometimes you need, you know, somebody that I think like with the running example or the gym, like sometimes you need a standing appointment with, we'll call it an accountability buddy, right? Or like an accountability partner. Like if you have that with someone, if you are able to commit to something in a partnership um, with somebody, you know, who's excited about doing something similar or at least designing their own challenge, but it parallels with yours and you can push each other through, that's a really awesome way to go about it because then you have, you have somebody to check in with and they're going to challenge you and you're going to challenge them. And sometimes a little bit of, you know, a little bit of competitive nature, as long as it's positive, um, it helps you get the work done. So, and it's, I don't know, I find it's very easy to play things safe and, you know, especially when I'm feeling stuck or less than like I am very, I think so many people can relate to this we're very self-defeating in our own minds, you know, and it's like, I'll often beat myself down in ways I would never talk to anyone else outside my own head. I would never speak to anyone the way I speak to myself in my mind. And, you know, I think it's fair to acknowledge that, but an accountability partner or, you know, the person you make your action packed with or people, um, they can call you out and and push you to take that next step. And that results in forward movement. You know, you get your growth, your motivation, you're moving forward little by little. And they can see beyond your fears and what you're really, they can see what you're really capable of and give you the encouragement and drive to do what you need to do and get across that finish line. And you know, they'll check back in with you and make sure you did it too. And that, that is kind of like having a built-in cheerleader, which I'm a huge fan of. I love the cheerleader aspect. You know, I want to be, I want to be a cheerleader for you. So, you know, ah, the action pact is all about, um, it's all about making a commitment and showing up. And then, and I, and, and like I said, in the beginning, about not going it alone. Try not to go it alone if, if at all possible. And, and I think even if you feel like you don't have anybody who cares, that's where posting it publicly actually comes into play. Um, and, and I will throw this out there. It, you know, the internet has no shortage of mean people, but I'll just throw this out there. Um, with like my coffee stained doodles, I've not had one single negative or mean comment. And I don't know if it's because of the kind of content it is, you know, interestingly, you look at something like picture this clothing. And I've had people say like, who would, could ever say something negative about this? Well, I can tell you on that side, I get, you get your fair share. <laughs> so people are like, Oh, that's ugly. I don't like it. You hate boys. Like all of it, like anything you can imagine. Yes. People can come from the woodwork and say ugly things, but what 
you know, picture this actually, I feel like made me like a pro athlete in terms of like shutting it down, like shutting down the noise of negativity. It does wear on you after a while when it's constant. And I've had to just step away at times. And, and I get that. But if you feel like you can't do something on social media because of the heat or the hate or the, you know, some sort of noise that you're getting, I encourage you to actually reach out to me and, um, you know, through email, I'll, again, always include all my contact info at the end of the show. Um, but it, I encourage you to reach out to me directly through email or through one of the, the social forums and let me know what you run into. I would love to take a look at what you've got. Um, and I can offer some constructive insight into, into that sort of thing, you know, building a strategy for, for, for avoiding hate. I actually do. I do have some insight into how that happens and why that happens. And um, yeah, anyway, so I can, I can offer some, some insight, but also if you'd rather just do this, you know, via email, I'm here for that. And so throwing it out there, uh, my, my listener base isn't massive, but you know, that we, we could keep it small and personal still because it's not massive. So I like that. Well, speaking of community and throwing things out there, it's time for the community piece of the show. This is the part where I get to share your stories, questions, thoughts, and really anything you'd like to share or ask on the topic of getting unstuck. And guess what? I received a question via email. (laughs) So thank you, Rachel S. from Illinois. I can't believe I have a listener in Illinois. Welcome. Hello. So, So Rachel S. from Illinois wrote me an email and Rachel writes, I love the show, Jamie. Thank you for all your valuable insights on getting unstuck. I have a different kind of stuck. It's one where I'm not lacking motivation or effort, but I'm stuck at work on a project that seems to be getting nowhere. How would you recommend getting unstuck in that kind of situation? Wow, Rachel. So this is, I'm just, this is a funny one for me because uh, I can't give too much information, but I'm in a really similar situation um, on some freelance stuff. So that's a really big one though. And, you know, since I received your email, I, I received your email on Sunday and I've thought a good deal about the answer and the interesting parallels that I feel like it has, or at least I'm extracting from your message. I, I want to throw it out there that I don't have a lot of context or details about the kind of work you do, the specific situation you're in, but here is, I've got some thoughts for consideration. Um, And I don't know, Rachel, if you caught episode one, where I talk about the compass of intention and share like a bit of backstory there, but my whole process, this whole, you know, six steps and the whole process that I use for getting unstuck actually started by me applying my work process to my life. Across my life, I held a whole bunch of different roles in digital product creation, you know, everything from being a a production artist to, you know, lead design, UX director, I've been product manager, I've been a project manager, 
Um, I've been a producer, like, you know, I've worn a lot of hats and all toward digital product creation. Um, so basically I knew, I, I still know, I know the, the ins and outs of digital product creation. And um, when I found myself stuck, I applied that process because it was literally the only process I knew for getting things from A to Z. And so I, I think I also mentioned early on that it's never a one size fits all solution, right? Because like every project brings its own challenges, its own mix of personalities and, um, you know, business requirements and, and all of the elements that go with creating stuff at work, right? So there's never really like, oh, I've got a can of one size fits all, crack it open and dump it on there and problem solved. It's never quite that simple, but a great place to start is the what's important that go back to that compass of intention, right? So for digital products, we often had design principles or we were using the company's core values as our design principles. Um, so yeah, with digital projects, products, you often have those, those design principles or themes that those become the guiding lights through any darkness that crops up um, if you find the project derailed in any way, try going back to those core values or themes and look at all the things being thrown into the daily mix and you measure them against those core themes or values or principles. And um, if for any reason your project is missing those things that actually might be part of the problem and, you know, depending on where you're at in the project and, oh, there's so many dependencies um, on getting out of that, but like those themes and the, they, they offer the clarity of vision because every feature request that comes up needs to be weighed against that. It should help keep priorities and distractions fairly sorted out and at bay. But projects derail. This is what this is. This is what happens, right? It just happens. But in order to get it back on track, often you have to take a step back, look at those core values, look at that compass, and and say like, what did we establish early on? Why did we establish it? What is our why? What are we going toward? And and what you know <laughs> we can walk through these steps we have our our objectives like our our why why we're going to be doing this we're trying to get from a to z why um the what's important this clarity of, of vision on the values or the uh design principles so you you extract those and then you have your goals or your milestones or your you know process for all the little, I guess, feature requirements would be a, the next thing. These are the things we have to, to get to. And then um, the, the roadblocks, like what's stopping you? Let's identify them. Let's break them down and, and chip away at them. And so like that leads you up to breaking them down small and working cycles through your sprints. And that's where like the tiny challenge is equivalent, right? And, and so sometimes the project has to be addressed in the way of like, okay, We've jumped the track. We need to take a minute. We've got to communicate that outward so that if we're working with clients, we're always working with clients in some capacity, right? Whether they're internal or external clients, but you got to set expectations. The sooner you know and can set expectations, like the sooner you know that derail has happened, communicating that 
is crucial. Um, and if you find that, you know, the communication hasn't happened in a timely way, it still has to be communicated and you just have to deal with the fallout <laughs> the best you can and, um, and navigate it. Right. But I don't know, in, in many, you know, for me in the digital product realm, the consequence of missing timelines, I don't know, maybe somebody, I, I never saw anybody like lose their job over a missed timeline. Um, usually there were bigger problems if a person is dismissed, but like usually it's it's about identifying the problem and and saying like, we have a bigger problem here. How are we going to work through it? Who is accountable for overseeing it? Have clarity of ownership and a clear path, like working through the path to get where to where you need to go and, and weeding out the noise. So I don't know if that helps, but I guess like the short answer in all of my, my rambling um, is that you know, you have to, you have to go back to those core values. Like every project needs them. If they didn't start with them or you're thrown into the middle of something and have no idea what they are, go back to that. Look for those design principles or the core values or, you know, those guiding themes um, that should keep you on track. Everything should be built based on those. That's how a product is made successfully. Um, And so, Rachel, I, I actually responded to your email separately and I, I extended the offer to have you share more information and maybe context with me um, about your specific situation. And so, you know, my my offering here on the live about this is really more general, but I have found regardless of the context of my client's work environment. Um, I've had clients in the legal field, in interior design. I've had clients in um, the oil industry, you know, just like a huge, massive range of clients that need help working through. Often it comes down to communication issues. Very often it comes down to communication challenges that need to be addressed and surfaced and worked through. And so, you know, it, it really comes back to those guiding principles though, every time like, okay, what are our values? Where are we working from? You know, and if it's, if the company's core values are different than the project's core values, identify that, see it and, and, and surface it. But yes, Rachel, if you have any more information that you'd like to share, or maybe even to jump on a phone call with me, um, so I can get a little more context and info and provide something more specific. <laughs> I would love to go through that with you because, um, yeah, like I, I really get excited to help folks work through the, the work side of things. And, you know, I think we can get stuck in work and in life. And man, interestingly, I love that you brought up a work thing because I don't know, I, I, I don't intentionally separate the two, like work is life, life is work for me. I am very lucky, very fortunate to be able to choose the kind of work I do. I think that um, like I really love, I've gone back to some consulting after many years of wearing a CEO hat. Prior to that, I was wearing a COO hat, but um, working as an independent, uh, you know, working independently since 2000. 
what, 13, I've been, you know, working for myself basically, um, on contract engagements and stuff, helping coach and guide and, and whatnot. And, um, usually in the corporate tech sector. So like what I, what I found after like the last five years of running a company with my, my spouse, um, is like, I miss, I kind of miss the hustle of like agency life a little bit. Like we work at our own pace at Picture This Clothing. We work uh, on our own terms and that's been a luxury and a gift. But I also, I felt like I needed the fire again underneath me of like, um, anyway, doing some agency work and the fire has been really good for me mentally. It's it's reignited my all my cylinders in my brain. So, so that's been a really good thing. And you know, and it's, it's like putting the uh, action packed into action, right? It's like I've I've uh, made some commitments to do some things, and um, getting out there and doing it again has really reignited an energy in me that I think maybe fizzled out a little over the years in certain forms of exhaustion and you know, burnout takes over and oof, boy, go all the way back on that stuff. But man, anyway, I, I guess like what I'd like to open up here to anybody who does listen to this show is that, you know, I know that I talk a lot about working through the personal side of things, but sometimes there's work stuff. Like I mentioned earlier in this episode, my first book is actually, it's uh, interpersonal skills for people who work with other people. And, you know, it's um, 12 ways to be better to work with is the name of the book. And, you know, that comes from really, there's so much of every process that I talk about that is baked into those learning experiences that I surfaced through, through their interpersonal skills, you know, Um, interpersonal skills come down to like communication often and our communication styles. And I'm not I certainly don't do it perfectly, but I love that Rachel's question reminded me that this doesn't always have to be personal. Um, We're on the Voice America Empowerment channel, but empowerment is very work-related too. feeling empowered at work, feeling um, like you have a choice and that you can make decisions and that you're empowered to do so. I think having the tools to do that fits very well into this show as well. So if you don't want to share personal forms of stuck, by all means, reach out to me and share different work kinds of stuck because I love that stuff too. And Rachel, your question really, you know, in the same way that the, you know, talking about the freelance work lights a fire under me. So does, I'm just getting an email in general from a real human. (laughs) ignites a fire under me too. But, you know, the work stuff, I get excited about it. I love, you know, I love to ping pong back and forth. I love learning more about the context of your situation. Um, I I would love to learn more and see if, if I can help you work through it. And then I'd love for you to share with me if you do work through it, you know, how the, the outcome of it. And I'm sure anybody who listens to the show would be fascinated in hearing that as well. So... Ooh, holy cow. I get excited. I get excited. And Rachel, I just, yeah, thank you again for reaching out with the the work question. We can do that here. We can do work here. We can do whatever we want. Right. So, um, and maybe there's something like that you feel you, a listener, any listener feels like maybe it doesn't fall into the category of work or personal. Like maybe there's another category that you 
feel would better classify your brand of stuck? I would love to know what that is. I really, really would. And since we're talking all about like how to, you know, reach out, <laughs> I want to tell you how to reach out to me. So um, if you would like to reach out to me and you'll get me not, you know, I don't have helpers. It's just like, I think I have like 75 listeners on the show. So, and thank you every single one of you, but if you would like to reach out to me, um, go to the show link of my website. My website is coffeewithjamie.com and Jamie is spelled J-A-I-M-E-E, I before the M <laughs> and two E's like coffee. So coffeewithjamie.com. If you scroll down a bit on that show page, you're going to see a big fat email button. Poke around there a little bit more. You can also find my social media links on that page. and. Um, and please let me know in your message. I like to disclaimer this every single time. Let me know in your message if it's okay, first of all, to share your message. I don't have to share everything, but if you're okay with me sharing, please let me know that. Or if there are specific parts, it's like, it's okay to share the highlighted line and nothing more, then let me know that. Um, you know, And then let me know how you'd like to be addressed. If it's a social media handle, if it's a first name, if it's a first name, last initial, whatever your preference, you indicate that that is how I will go about it. And I do think it's very important to include this special note about the Coffee with Jamie show. It is in no way to be construed as or substituted as psychological counseling, psychotherapy, mental health counseling, or any other type of psychotherapy or medical advice. The information that I offer here on this show is based on my own life and work experiences. And the purpose of my show is to assist people in making changes in their lives through supportive guidance and hopefully a bit of inspiration. If you feel like you're in a crisis or need professional help, I've left some information for you in the show notes. So please, um, you know, please get the help you need. Take care of yourself. And then I also want to share how to listen. If you want to share this show with friends or anyone you think may, may find some value in it, um, you can listen live each week on the Voice America Network. There's a link directly to that. Also, on the show page of my Coffee with Jamie website, or after the live broadcast every Wednesday, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Pacific time, the episodes are, are all posted in the places you listen to your favorite podcasts. So for example, if you listen to the podcast app from an Apple iPhone, you can search Coffee with Jamie or Jamie Finney. And again, that tricky spelling might make me not show up. So J-A-I-M-E-E, -E, Jamie Finney. You should be able to find the show. And like everything else I just threw at you, there are links for a few of those you know, most commonly used podcast apps right there from the show page at mycoffeewithjamie.com website. So I want to give a little preview as we wind this week's episode down. I want to give a little preview into next week. So next week's theme, it's going to be step six. 
And you might be wondering, um, what happens after six? Jamie, you said there are only six steps and there are 13 episodes this season. What happens next? Well, I will tell you first, we're going to talk about step number six next week. Step six is go the distance. And it is inspired by the movie Rocky. Go the distance is a boxing term. If you haven't seen the movie Rocky, yes, the one that was made in the 70s, written and starring Sylvester Stallone, that is the one of which I speak. Um, if you get some time, go check that out before the next episode, because I've got I've got a couple callbacks to it, and one in particular. And um, I really think that we're going to have a lot of fun next week talking about going the distance. And you know, I feel like it's a theme that underscores you know the very very I, I guess like every single step along the way is building up to going the distance and iterating our way through it. So yeah, I really am excited. I love the movie Rocky. I think that you're going to like number six. And then, and then the beyond the six, for those of you who are very curious, I'm going to change up the format a little bit and kind of go back to more questions and answers. And what I'm going to do for that is I'm really hoping to hear, you know, like I, I heard from Rachel this week, um, I've heard from a few folks, you know, we've had Robert, we've had Chuck, we've had a few folks reach out. What I'm going to do is revisit some of the folks who have reached out, but then I'm also going to go back. I used to do a Q&A blog and I'm going to dig back through a bunch of those and surface ones that fit in with the getting unstuck theme. And we'll we'll just hash through those because I think the Q&A format is my favorite format. <laughs> and, and I really want to steer the show that, that way. And if there's going to be a season two, I want to see if I can drum up a little bit more engagement with you, the audience, the actual human beings who, who might be listening to the show. I want to engage with you more. And so I want to experiment. I'm going to use the last you know few episodes of the season to to work in that direction. We've talked about the six steps almost after next week we will have talked about the you know the six steps. We'll be on episode 7 then. So for episodes 8 through 13, we're going to you know we're going to change up the format a little. And so I'm excited about that and I'm running out of time for today's show. So be sure to come back and join me for another cup or two or three of coffee next week. I'm going to talk about step six and then we'll play out and, and, and I guess that's it. So coffee, right? Alrighty. <laughs> Alrighty, friends. Thank you for listening. It's time to say goodbye. I will catch you next week for another mug of motivation and coffee with me. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thank you for taking the time for coffee with Jamie. Please join Jamie Finney again next Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time for another cup of discussion and wisdom on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll see you then. 